Hi, I'm Jean Friedman Rudowski. And I'm Cassie Haynes. Together, we're the co-executive directors of Resolve Philly. Welcome to our podcast, Resolved. It's a way for us to talk with you about the things we are firmly determined to do. We've got six episodes in this series, and we encourage you to listen to all of them. With our melodic vocal styles and our sweet, sweet strategic gems, how could you resist? In this episode, we're digging deep into our focus on building a community of leaders. What does this mean? Here's an example. As a young organization, before we hired our first staff member, before we separated from our fiscal sponsor, we invested in coaching to develop our own leadership skills. That's absolutely right, Jean. And later on in this episode, we're actually going to hear from our coach, Julie Cohen of Work Life Leader. We've also invested heavily in the development of our team from our internship program. We pay our interns 15 bucks an hour. Yes, we do. We also provide opportunities to attend conferences and workshops and all staff Spanish classes. And it's not just our staff. We believe that our legacy as leaders should be more leaders, which is why we facilitate professional development opportunities for our reporting partners and freelancers working across Philly's news ecosystem. We're going to kick this episode off with Julie Christie, Resolve's Data and Impact Editor. A large part of Julie's work focuses on professional development and capacity building in our newsroom partners. But another perspective that she brings to this conversation is definitely as a developing leader. Julie began as an intern when it was just, well, me with the reentry project. And it's been pretty incredible to see her leadership skills develop. But we'll let Julie tell you more about her journey. So I came on to work with Jean at the Reentry Project as an intern the summer of 2017. One of the concrete physical things that I created was definitely the infographic of what happens to people life after incarceration, because first it was directly mentioned when the Reentry Project won the Associated Press Media Editors Award for Community Engagement. They said the infographic was impressive. And That's a really that huge was, deal, Julie. I yeah. just like want to call that out. You made yeah, that in college. I didn't, yeah, and I, okay. it took me a little so while to... on the same page about that. <laughs> yeah, it took me a while to realize, like, oh, that's a national thing, isn't it? And so the amount of confidence that gave me in the fact that it didn't matter how long I had been in the industry and I could do work that was being recognized and was valuable. So can you talk a bit about how you support our partners around data journalism and what that leadership development looks like in our partner newsrooms? I think it's important to kind of set the table as data journalism is not a very popular thing in the vast world of journalism and journalism skills. There's been a lot of focus on being a multimedia journalist, you know, having the written skills and the video skills and the audio skills and the photo skills. That's where all the innovation is focused on in the journalism world. But there is also this small and growing population of journalists that really focus on data. And it tends to usually be a single journalist in an entire newsroom who has these skills. But it's also really emphasized to me that when there is data journalism in a newsroom, most of the time it's not sustainable. It lives within this single person. And then when that person leaves, their knowledge leaves, their abilities leave, and then that newsroom is left high and dry without somebody of those skills. 
And so I really wanted to create a space in newsrooms where it was sustainable and it didn't live within one person and it didn't rely on a single person in order to function. So going about doing that has entailed so far meeting with as many newsrooms as I can to figure out, you know, does data have a place in their coverage and in their news? So can you tell me a bit about how you envision Resolve stepping in to help fill this gap for newsroom partners? This is some work I know that you've been leading already for us. So I really see Resolve as an organization that gets the ball rolling for these news outlets because it's hard for somebody to come in and preach that we need data and we need to do this in the newsroom this way. It's really difficult. But I think getting newsrooms to a point where they understand that having data skills in their newsroom makes them a better newsroom, makes better content. And knowing that our partners are open to having meetings with me to talk about that is really encouraging because it's setting this standard of, yes, we know we need to start looking into this as an investment of our time or our energy. Julie, can you give us a sense as to how you'll be spending your time in 2020 working with our partners to build capacity and develop leadership around data? One of the first things that I'll be doing is I will be producing data journalism reporting and projects for our partners so that they can see the potential that this work has. And it takes away the learning curve that a lot of newsrooms have to deal with when they try to go into data journalism because they'll be able to have somebody to look to that can do most of the work already and tailor it for their newsroom so that they can see almost a proof of concept of why data journalism will work in their newsroom. I'll be supporting our full-time reporter now that we have in his coverage of foster care. And I will continue to learn these management skills, have professional development, not just for myself, but also work with newsrooms to have it within their culture and get it to a point where their journalists are talking to each other about the skills that they each know and can start leveling each other up. And it'll enhance all the work that they're doing. Thank you so much for being here, Julie. Get back to work. Okay. In a sense, what we're really hoping to do is to position our collaborative to be a resource in and of itself. So the work that Julie is doing with an individual newsroom builds the capacity in that newsroom. But then that data team within that newsroom now is a resource for other folks who are doing this work in the collaborative and also collaboratively, because that's a big part of this is being able to cross publish, to co-create, to figure out new ways of newsrooms working together. And we believe that data journalism is a big part of that. Now we're going to hear from Julie Cohen, who is the founder of Work Life Leader. She's actually been mine and Jean's executive leadership coach for the last eight months. And so we thought she had a valuable perspective to share. Cassie and Jean reached out to me when they were looking to be very deliberate about how they were developing their shared leadership model. 
they were creating something new, something that they had never seen anywhere else, this concept of shared leadership, two co-executive directors with equal roles. And they wanted to make sure they did it right. They wanted to be very thoughtful. They wanted to make sure the values of their organization were represented in how they were going to create this organization. So reaching out to me, I was their partner in helping them think through what this would look like, what they needed to do in order to make this a reality, and really to be strategic as opposed to just going in and figuring it out as they went. They talked about different projects that we're making sure they looked at equity and how they were using language from you know the business side of things. How are we doing this so we can have newsrooms take on the importance of language? And walking their talk, they did the same thing in how they wanted their organization to be set up. They did not want the traditional role of employee and boss or leader and subordinate, you know, some really not complimentary language. So they worked really hard. First, they came to me and said, well, what could we use? What language could we use? And as a coach, my job isn't to tell them what to do. So we had multiple coaching conversations where they came up with the inspiring language and the relationships, not as supervisor and employee, but they chose words that were aligned with them, their values. And I've seen them take this approach in a lot of their people-related issues. Even if they think they have it right, they bring it back to their team and get buy-in. Another thing that's been very inspiring is how they handle difficult situations, difficult conversations, or delivering difficult messages. They don't shy away from it. They're acting upon their values in how they engage. If they see something that needs to be addressed. They don't push it under the rug. They don't avoid it. With compassion, with directness, they address it very mindful of language to facilitate the growth of resolve, to facilitate the values that the organization stands for and the impact they want to have in the community. So their assertiveness in holding both the values of the organization and their own values as central in how they interact with the good and the not so good has been consistent. And to me, that is so much a sign of exemplary leadership. And my expectation and hope, and it's built on data, is they will continue to grow and be really revolutionary leaders in their field. And hopefully it will continue to impact not only Resolve in Philadelphia, but larger communities and cities and, and, and the world. That was Julie Cohen, founder of Work Life Leader. And to get another perspective on where our organization is headed, we're going to hear from our incoming board chair, Jermaine Smith. I like ruffling feathers. I call myself the chief feather ruffler on my LinkedIn profile. But um, the thing that <laughs> I'm most excited about is how Cassie and Jean presented their vision for the board as a group of folks who are really creative thought partners. Board meetings are going to be your traditional board meetings where we come and we sit 
And Cassie and Jean kind of just slide reports across the conference room table to us and we read them and then we say yay or nay and we all leave. They really want it to be an interactive experience. And so that was very, very much the thing that attracted me to saying, okay, I can be in this board chair role because I know it's not going to be traditional. I know I'm not going to be at the head of the table all the time making decisions. I want to make sure that we're living at the values at the board level, that it's collaborative, that we're being transparent, that we're having hard conversations if necessary. So I'm really looking forward to all of that. And really just listening and figuring out, okay, this is where Cassie and Jean, this is their vision, this is what they're seeing thus far. How can we come alongside them and help support this? How can we help them actualize this vision? How can we all use our gifts and talents to do that? So I'm super excited about that piece of it is is really being a support for them as they have really taken the time to think everything through. That's one thing I love about them is that they're super intentional with the decisions that they're making for the organization. I think a defining moment for both Jean and Cassie and I was a conversation we had when they were hiring for a position. And the conversation we had was such a Again, the intentional, the really like, I really need some thought partnership in making this decision as we're choosing candidates and thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion and thinking about what the organization stands for and this particular role and who would be the best person to be in this role, given the core values, given all the things that the organization stands for. And so I just remember having that conversation and being like, wow, they are really walking the walk. This just isn't talk. I can't say it loud and long enough that investing in leaders, especially leaders like Cassie and Jean, who are modeling this co-directorship, modeling allyship for each other, because it's like there's different identities that they have too. And so how they're working together and holding space for each other, because Cassie may experience something that Jean may not experience and vice versa. And so how they hold space for each other, how they hold space for their staff, that's also kind of training or development just for the whole organization that's really important. So I think that intentionality of building and living out these core values are so important because it's going to permeate, and it already is, into everything that's being done. It's what's going to guide who is a partner organization. And so I think it's super important that Cassie and Jean continue to be clear on their core values and how they approach the world and how they live. And the right people will find them and vice versa. That was Jermaine Smith, Resolve Philly's incoming board chair. And to find out more about Resolve Philly, you can check us out on the web at resolvephilly.org or follow us on Twitter at Resolve Philly. And as always, we want to thank the folks who enable our work to happen on a daily basis, our fantastic and generous funders. They are the Knight Lenfest Local News Transformation Fund, 
Independence Public Media, Solutions Journalism Network, Wincoat Foundation, News Integrity Initiative, the Kahneman-Treisman Center for Behavioral Science and Public Policy at Princeton University, and the Philadelphia Foundation. And a huge thank you to our podcast production team, Stephanie Marudis at Cuvenda Media and Brad Linder. We could not do this without you guys. Sure couldn't. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.